Bring It On is a public affairs program exploring the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American communities in South Central Indiana and beyond. Bring It On is a forum for the people, by the people, produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana, and financially supported by listeners like you. I'm Roberta Radovich, and welcome to Bring It On, a multiple award-winning program celebrated had celebrated 14 years um, as Indiana's only weekly community radio station committed to exploring the people, issues, and events impacting African Americans. And good evening. I'm Amrita Myers. Thanks for joining us as we continue a discussion from last week's re-airing of a conversation with immigration attorney Christine Pop on the national plight of illegal immigrants. Tonight, we'll explore the undocumented who are resigned to live anonymously in Indiana and more specifically here in Bloomington and a unique organization that seeks to assist them. Undocu Hoosiers Bloomington works to serve the needs of undocumented people at Indiana University and the community at large. These needs include providing or directing undocumented students to academic, financial, and legal resources, raising awareness of undocumented issues on campus and in our state, engagement in civic responsibilities that uplift the campus, local and national undocumented communities, and providing undocumented students with leadership and advocacy opportunities. Along with advocacy for undocumented individuals in our community, they engage in grassroots lobbying support for a Clean Dream Act Now and advocating for in-state tuition for undocumented students. Joining us this evening to explore these issues further are Ella Flynn and Max Sandifer. Did I, did I get that right? Yeah. Okay, good. Two individuals who are representatives of Undocu Hoosiers Bloomington. Ella and Max, welcome to Bring It On. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here tonight. Now, Ella is a geography student um, at IU and Max, uh, poli science Spanish, yes. right? Excellent. And Ella, if I'm not mistaken, you are actually a native Bloomingtonian. I am. And you graduated from uh, Bloomington North, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Okay. And you graduated? In 2016. 2016. Okay. And Max, you are from where? Uh, I'm from Southside, Indianapolis. Oh, okay. So you are you are both Hoosiers. Mm-hmm. Born and raised. Born and raised. <laughs> okay. Well, we want to go ahead and and let you kind of um, were, was our overview of Undocu Hoosiers correct? Um, is there anything you want to kind of maybe add a little bit in terms of maybe you could help our listeners to get a a clear image of maybe when Undocu Hoosiers was organized, like how long it's been in the area, and exactly sort of what its mission is um, here in the area. All right, so uh, uh, both her and I are fairly new members to Undocu Hoosiers, but we've already uh, really I guess dug our heels deep into it. Uh, we've had a lot of fundraisers. Uh, we are primarily uh, trying to fight towards uh, on a local level, trying to make sure that we uh, secure uh, undocumented immigrants' rights because we feel that oftentimes their rights are overseen or not 
taken into account of. And we feel that oftentimes they aren't given the fair judicial treatment, fair legal treatment that they deserve. And many times they live in the shadows and they aren't allowed to actually try and be productive members of societies. And like, you know, with the Dream Act, that was many of these people came when they were young. And so they had no idea of what was happening. And by the time they were old enough to really uh, grasp the the consequences or, you know, the, the future consequences that this would have on their lives, they already were ingratiated into American society. They already had a lot to deal with and they, they really that Mexico or wherever they came from wasn't a home for them anymore. This was their home. And so we feel that we're making this easier for these individuals, easier for even individuals who came here illegally later in life so that they can make sure that they uh, live and prosper with the American dream and that they can really, I guess, ingratiate into society. And we do that through our fundraisers. We make sure that they, uh, they uh, have uh, capability and funds. I think we also provide certain housing opportunities as well. We make sure that uh, these individuals aren't left in the shadows. That's a really big, important aspect because they provide, they provide a viewpoint that many people can't offer. Yeah, so to sort of speak to what um, he's saying about not leaving in the shadows, another aspect of our organization is community education. Uh, we do that both on the university level and we're also looking right now to expand it to the Bloomington community level. Um, we un we educate people on like the rights of undocumented people as well as the issues um, the undocumented people are facing and something I'm really excited about that I want us to try to kind of continue and make a larger part of our organization is also educating people on like the sociopolitical factors that drive migration. Mm -hmm. So when did Undocu Hoosiers come into existence? How long has it been around? Several years were not clear on the exact. Um, I think it's been since the early 2010s or so, maybe mid mid 2010s. I think, I think like 20, 2014 or 2015 yeah, sounds about, about right. 20, so like mid 2010s or so. It's fairly new, but uh, we have a pretty pretty loyal base of people who really really fight and strive for these rights. Unfortunately, just because of how student organizing works we have a pretty fluid turnover mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. board members um and student activists so we, as max mentioned mm -hmm. we're fairly new so we can't necessarily answer all the nitty-gritty about no, no, i understand know. do you just work on campus do you work in the community as well um we do both for sure um and also we are looking to expand our network to a bit of more of a national level as max was mentioning right now it is mainly local organizing um but i am really interested in kind of continuing to build the network of solidarity among undocumented people and allies on the national to even international level um we have contact with some organizations in New York who are doing work directly in Tijuana, and I actually was lucky enough to have the opportunity to go down there um, this past winter break and do some of that, um, like solidarity and advocacy work. So we're really trying to look and to see how the issues affected by undocumented people in the local community are connected to a broader um, network of justice and migration. And with regard to student advocates um, at colleges across the United States, is there a kind of a network of student organizations? That is something we're currently in the process of building. Mm -hmm. um, I met a lot of amazing student ad advocates 
activists and advocates mm -hmm. while I was in Tijuana. Um, so I have contacts mm -hmm. and I'm looking into building that network and I know mm -hmm. some past um, organizers have done similar work. So we're still trying to figure out how that looks, but actually I was on a Zoom call yesterday about that exact thing. So, wow, yeah. exciting. Mm -hmm. yeah. I would really, uh, I've talked to some friends from other schools, from my high school, went to other schools in Indiana, and I think a lot of them are interested in this sort of thing, because a lot of people are very interested in this issue, especially with recent news coming to light for the government shutdown being over the wall funding. Mm -hmm. And we, a lot of people are coming to consensus that they're tired of, you know, this sort of this sort of just pushing away of these individuals. And uh, I know some people at Purdue who are really interested in trying to start something like that. And so I think it'd be really cool if we could try and come up with like a, a network in Indiana yeah, or even across the states. It seems that the more that the college students in Indiana or across the nation are connected, the more the information and the knowledge and the, the awareness is going to get out there for like sort of the average American. I mean, and with, as an alternate to like kind of what the media is pushing forward, right? Definitely. Mm -hmm. Kind of an additional voice. For, for maybe some of our listeners who may actually not be aware of what the DREAM Act actually was, maybe you could maybe bring them up to speed a little bit. And because you're interested in a clean DREAM Act, but some of them may not be aware of what the original one was. Right. All right. So the DREAM Act, in a sense, uh, guaranteed that uh, people who came here at a young age or before they were an adult, really, uh, were guaranteed the right to become a citizen as long as they went through uh, or the same rights as citizens and eventual citizenship, as long as they, uh, you know, didn't break the law, did uh, went through certain uh, certain qualifications, and really it was just a step towards citizenship and a step towards making sure that you can become an American and be and not have to. So if they were brought here as children, undocumented, mm -hmm. like because they didn't really have yes. a say in the matter, right? right? Mm -hmm. And so a lot of it infected, uh, I know it affected college funding was a big deal. Mm -hmm. I saw a story recently where uh, there was this one individual who uh, graduated like near top of his class at Harvard or I think some Ivy League school. And he is contemplating if he could go to a foreign country for um, his... Uh, He's, he's like trying to study there for like a few years or so. I think he received a uh, Oxford. Oxford, at Oxford. Yeah. And he, he's like, but if I, I don't know if I can come back. Because no. it, Trump is trying to start to limit capabilities of mm. flying and going in certain areas for these individuals. So he, he's having to make like such an ultimate sacrifice and ultimate choice when he simply, you know, had no choice in the matter of being brought here when he was younger. And I think it's pretty unfair and I think what we're trying to fight for is that these people don't have to worry about these sort of things. He should be pursuing his education. I mean, he obviously is representing the best that immigration can offer, being so, you know, he's so driven, he's smart, and I think it's really unfortunate that he has to make these sort of decisions. And to just sort of add on to what was Max was saying in terms of the DREAM Act, I would say the majority of children who come here, especially at such young ages, by all marks, they really are citizens of this country. Exactly, they 100%. contribute completely to their community. They are, you know, mothers, mm -hmm. friends. Children, yeah, you, you don't know. have to be an Oxford educated individual <laughs> as well, or like going yeah. to Oxford. Just being just being involved in your community or even just be having just, friends, yeah. you affect whoever you're with, yeah. no matter who you are. And so it's not a matter of, you know, I didn't want to portray it as a matter of, you know, oh, he's amazing, he's not amazing, you know. 
it, no matter who you are and no matter what kind of undocumented immigrant you are, you you have a role in society and you shouldn't be shied away. You shouldn't be be relegated into this. Yeah, I mean, how many folks who are born here are like could it go to Oxford? Right? <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. I don't think I could, honestly. <laughs> Can we talk a little bit about this? I mean, the word usage matters, right? I mean, so maybe can we talk a little bit about illegal versus undocumented? Uh, because definitely, 100%. Right, yeah. words matter. Yeah. You know, actually, as Max and I were prepping for this conversation, for this um, interview, one of us used the word illegal, and then we both said, wait, like, why did we say this? This is not what we believe in at all. Um, <laughs> but... Really, that is the rhetoric that is thrown around in the media and that Trump uses, et cetera. And as you mentioned, that is a very purposeful thing and words are very powerful and they know that and they are using it in order to achieve a specific goal. And I think that goal is to dehumanize uh, um, undocumented people and to kind of further otherize them and to create the picture that they are mm -hmm. criminals and that what they're doing is wrong. Yeah, when she talked about otherizing, uh, I took a course last semester and I learned about the perils and the and the downfalls of otherism, which is basically saying that we are this and they are them. And, and what it does is it creates enemies out of people who shouldn't be enemies. And so when we say phrases like illegal, illegal has like a longstanding, like, you know, like illegal is bad, it's awful. And so when we say illegal immigrants, it's sort of it's sort of like a dog whistle in a way to say that you know we're allowed to demonize these people mm -hmm. and we're allowed to relegate them to lower than us and that they're but that they're below us in status and so i think using the word undocumented is a lot more beneficial to the conversation and we see right now in the media i mean it doesn't matter if you tune into cnn if you tune into fox if you tune into msnbc you see the word illegal immigrant plastered everywhere and i think i think the rhetoric behind it all needs to change well, because, I mean, to me, somebody, who, I mean, illegal automatically implies criminal. Right. Exactly. Right. right. And as opposed to undocumented, which means somebody doesn't, has not yet acquired their papers. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, the rhetoric, you get two completely different images of a, of a human being. Right. And it also sort of creates like two different possible narratives, I mm -hmm. think, because as you said, undocumented just implies someone who does not yet have their documents, right. where illegal immediately kind of boxes someone in into the status of criminal who is only going to be do harm onto society. Right. Right. Exactly. And they did a study uh, recently, and uh, I don't know where it's from, but I, I know it's verified, where they, where they determined that illegal immigrants have the lowest uh, uh, capability or like the lowest uh, shown statistics of committing crimes. And then the next is immigrants and the next is citizens, like mm. like full fledged, like born here citizens. And so it's really, it's kind of, it's kind of ironic in a sense that, you know, we're treating these people like criminals. And I remember there was this big story on the news about how, um, and I'm gonna tie this a little bit to politics, you know, I'm a poli-sign major, so I, got, I gotta do it. Yeah. There was this, uh, during the 2018 Senate election cycle, there was uh, a, Colts player, a Colts player was unfortunately killed in a hit and run incident, mm -hmm. and the person was undocumented. And a lot of people were making this like a rallying cry against undocumented immigrants. And there was uh, Mike Braun, he was a Senate candidate, and what he did was he he won uh, unfortunately in my eyes, but he he used it as a rhetoric and he made a commercial yeah. uh, about uh, the undocumented player. But uh, the the woman who uh, who's the I think either the mother or the wife of the killed Colts player said that this was wrong, 
and she said that she said that she she supports everyone in their community and that and that that this is not what it's about it should have been about drunk driving it should have been about driving rec recklessly be but instead they made it about you know immigration, immigration. immigration. Mm -hmm. and so that's the big point is that is that these shouldn't be dog whistles these shouldn't be like dividers mm -hmm. and i feel that uh the rhetoric we're having now is getting more and more fiery and more and more intensified and i think it's it's a big problem and we need to find we need to find a solution well there was that terrible case about the young woman Mm -hmm. um, who was murdered out west? I'm I'm actually blanking oh, on her name. She, I think she was in Utah. In mm -hmm. um, and Utah. it was and it was just un very unfortunate that the man who murdered her was an uh, right. an undocumented person, right. but her entire family came together to protest yeah. against the mm -hmm. fact that the mm -hmm. case was being used. Um, by people to try and, you know, use it as a way to, again, you know, try and r build up rhetoric against undocumented people. And her mother, her sister, uh, everybody said, no, w this is not what this is about. This is not, we're not going to use this to divide our community. You know, we have many, many friends of all different backgrounds and faiths we are not going to use you to divide our, our community, to divide us against people. This is sick. This is wrong. Her sister took to Facebook and, you know, started like, you know, absolutely saying, you know, do not use my <coughs> sister and her memory to do such degrading, disgusting things. Mm -hmm. I don't yeah. think you want to be known in society. Like if I, you if know. I, and I was so incredibly impressed that yeah. in the midst of such tragedy, they stood up for what was right and said, don't you dare mm -hmm. use yeah. our sister's death to try and degrade undocumented people. No one wants yeah. that as their legacy. Yeah. Exactly. That was Molly Tibbetts. Yes. Molly Tibbetts. That's, That's exactly the case that I'm talking about. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly the case that I'm talking about. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because it was horrifying because immediately, you know, I mean, Donald Trump and his entire, all these people came out of the network trying to use right. that case right. mm -hmm. to try to like, you know, say this is why we should not right. let, let, you know, let people across the border. And her family was incensed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They said, how dare you? How dare you try and use our daughter in this way? Well, yeah. what it is, is, is these people are trying to, is they've already came to their own conclusion. And a lot of these people, it's going to be impossible to change them. And they're going to find every small mm -hmm. instance they can. Her mother said, this is about, this is about, toxic masculinity yeah, right 100%. this is about rape culture yeah. Yeah. this is about sexual assault yeah. this is about stalking this is what you need to make it about this yeah. is not about undocumented people this yeah. is not about mexicans this is not because that's what they were trying to make it right. about and she's like why don't you put the on onus on toxic masculinity which is what it should be mm -hmm. yeah. and they completely flipped the whole script on mm -hmm. them like immediately and i was like Thank you. Yeah. And that's a big part of Undocu Hoosiers too, is that we are really, really, really trying to trying to flip the script on the yeah. whole situation. And one big thing I like to vouch for is I think that our immigration system at its core is flawed. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that the big, big problem, that's what I want to fight for as an immigration attorney when I grow up. I want, when I grow up, and in a few years, <laughs> I guess. I'm, I'm still used when to it. When you graduate. <laughs> I was in high school a year ago, so I'm still used to saying it. But, but w in the next few years or so, I want to fight to like, change the system in general because we're seeing wh why are these people coming here illegally is right. the big problem. And a lot of these people who come here illegally, they are, I, I'm saying not a lot, 
almost all of them are not coming here for nefarious purposes. Right, they're seeking asylum. <coughs> they're seeking they're asylum. They're seeking asylum, right. and they're, it's legal to actually right. do that. Right. Exactly. Legal. There's a great movie that, uh, oh, my God, I'm trying to think of what it's called. Uh, the It takes place in New York City. And what happened? No. Uh, it's something like the, the Visitor or like, yeah, The Visitor. Yeah. And so The Visitor, it's about this it, these individuals. And we learned that one of the characters was seeking asylum as a kid. And they stayed there for three years until they learned about, because sometimes it takes that long to figure out about your asylum and how long, like, like if you were there. And they were already ingratiated into American culture. And so the mom had to make a decision. And she was like, I kept you there. I kept you here because because you you made friends and because the, uh, Saudi Arabia wasn't your home anymore. I think it took place in Saudi. They came from Saudi mm-hmm. Arabia, but Saudi Arabia wasn't your home anymore. And so a lot of these times, I mean, why did it take three years for that to come out? Why was there such great interference towards mm-hmm. that whole situation? I mean, and in the in the story, it said that uh, her husband was killed because he was a journalist speaking out against like uh, mm. like a regime or like right. uh, a powerful leader. So like. Obviously, that's grounds for asylum, but we see in many situations that they're becoming stricter and stricter with what constitutes asylum. And we need it. We need to take a look, and we need to have more people to look at these and not just put like a a white marker or a black marker over certain things. Yeah. If you're tuning in right now, we're talking with IU students Max Sandifer and Ella Flynn from um, on Docu Hoosier, and they're sharing some of their um, perspective about what their organization is seeking to do and their uh, student perspective. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're not professionals. They're not immigration lawyers, but their perspective as young people and citizens of this nation what 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 what's up and what do we need to do and how how we can help this situation so that's what i want to do is i kind of want to move back to what your student organization does and and thinking about how is it that you get the word out to other students who could imagine themselves as allies and even if you can't do anything you could at least go home at Thanksgiving dinner and set the story straight mm-hmm. among some family members or community members who might not really know how to wade through exactly the propaganda mm-hmm. that they're being that that they're internalizing. Yeah, Ella, so. what are the what are the different kinds of things that Andaku is doing right here in the community? Yeah, and do you have community members and student members? Are you just student members? And and what are the different kinds of things that you're you're doing in town? Yeah, so right now we are primarily a student organization, although we do have a couple grad students who have graduated and are still members. Um, And then we do have a lot of kind of coalitional relationships with different groups in town. Um, We are looking into um, pursuing a more working relationship with Christy Pop, the immigration lawyer. Um, We also work a little bit with El Centro. um, Oh, come on, El. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, at the library. whom else? Immigration Witness, which is, I think, led by Christy. So we're kind of looking into all the different um, groups that we can get in contact with. We also actually, this is a working idea, so I don't know if I should publicize it, but there, there are some other... Um, like music groups in town that we're looking into getting uh, collaboration with or um, like some arts groups because we really, we think that this is an issue that kind of touches every aspect of life so right. it doesn't just need to be focused on like the political quote unquote political exactly aspect. i love the cultural arts mm-hmm. and uh service-minded service-centered um aspect to what it is the organization is trying to accomplish very good 
So how big is your group on campus right now? It's pretty small, to be honest. We are rebuilding. Um, so yeah, if there are any students um, listening, you are please, please, please check us out on Facebook at Undocu Hoosiers or check us on our Instagram, Undocu Hoosiers Bloomington. We actively are recruiting new members. And also if you're a community member that is interested, you're welcome to send us an email or um, send us a Facebook message as well. And we would love to get connected with you um, especially if they're especially or if there's anyone who has a specific need um, or is looking for help we are always open for requests what are some of the different kinds of things that you've been that the group has been involved with doing up to up to this point like I know there have been fundraisers but I mean are there some specific uh, sort of things that you can tell the community that Undocu has done, for example? Yeah, so a lot of with our fundraising, we go to helping people renew their DACA status. So mm-hmm. right now, you have to renew DACA every two years, and the cost is $500, I believe. Oof. So that can be incredibly prohibitive to a lot of people. And DACA status is just is, to let our... Um, so DACA is Deferred Action for Childhood Arrival, um, and that is what allows people to stay in the country legally um, and without fear of deportation, essentially. Mm-hmm. And that's um, just like the children mm-hmm. who came here when they were under underage um, that we were uh, referring to earlier with the DREAM Act. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we help people to renew their DACA status. And because as I was saying, if it's $500, it's very prohibitive. Um, but if you do not renew it, you're kind of an automatic target for deportation because your name is already within the system. Um, so it's very easy to locate you. Um, So that's one thing we do. We also help with really just anything that a community member could need. Um, We've been helping with some medical bills um, because also that can be a really difficult thing. Like you likely don't have um, like a U.S. health insurance plan if you're an undocumented immigrant here. That's and then obviously, as we know, healthcare is very inaccessible in this country. We've also been helping, we help people obtain their green cards through giving them um, funds to pay, go towards legal fees, uh, not just like DACA legal fees, but more like Mm one-on-one The administrative Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, We also do help fund students. Uh, Unfortunately, you know, we don't have the means to provide like full-ride scholarships or anything, um, but we do fund where we can um, because if you are at, an undocumented immigrant in the state of Indiana, you don't get in-state tuition. There are a couple loopholes where that is accessible, but it's incredibly difficult and it's only based really on knowing the correct people and knowing how to get through certain doors, which, you know, is just kind of can be a bureaucratic nightmare. Um, So we do help with like book fees or any other fees when we are able to that can help students. Yeah, so I'd say primarily that's where our fundraising has been going to. And we're also looking into currently um, doing some sort of like sponsorship program where we kind of are able to get more like explicitly helping each individual student. uh, And that's something that we could definitely use community support for. At this time, we don't have all the details, but as that does come up, people should continue to look up at our Facebook if they're interested and maybe one-on-one sponsoring a student um, with book fees, transportation fees, and what have you. Wow, that's wow. that's amazing. That's a lot to get done while you're balancing college classes. You all, and, <laughs> and may I? Yeah, I just wanted to reiterate that the ninety percent of your members are undergraduate students. Yeah, <laughs> and you have some yeah. graduate student members as yeah. well, right? Yeah. So you're fundraising and you're using this money to do some pretty substantial things yeah. for undocumented, you know, pe- members of our own community. 
This isn't really, really, really impressive. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm really glad I found this organization, honestly. As am I. I wanted to do so much uh, in college, and I think this one really spoke to me, and I'm really glad that I've, I know I've only been a semester, and I think I'm going to try and do it all four years. I'm really excited. <laughs> what kind of fundraisers have you been holding? Oh. <laughs> no, but what kind of, yeah, what kind of fundraisers? I stood outside for <laughs> two or three hours in the freezing cold, <laughs> giving out hot chocolate well, for a dollar. Selling the hot chocolate. What? Selling the selling hot, hot yeah. chocolate. <laughs> yeah. And I was playing this, the, the, whole, the Polar Express song, Hot Chocolate, on repeat oh, for wow. two hours, just looking like a fool so we could get, uh, and we sold we sold out, didn't we? Yeah, we so did. We Oh, we got all the hot chocolate out of there. It was pretty great. <laughs> I know it's a little buzzy right now. Um, so we we also have done we've. Uh, it's okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> For our listeners, we're having a little bit of technical difficulty in the studio tonight. <laughs> yeah, sorry, so. we're ha- we're having a lot of feedback. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's also been some amazing students on campus who have reached out to us um, wanting to help us fundraise. We had a couple bands who had a house show, and they and we they just let us stand in front of the house and collect money, and we fundraised a lot with that. There's also a couple amazing artists on campus who have been selling their work and then donating us the money. Oh, so wow. it's really been a community effort. A lot I heard of there have been some really great spoken word uh, yes, events too. Yes, we also um, collaborate with the Bloomington Poetry. Tree Club. I don't remember what the official title is, but at the Bishop, Bishop, the first Friday of every month, um, there are poetry slams, and we go there and we fundraise. Uh, And we have a couple really exciting things on the works. We have a reggaeton night. If we have any dancers in the audience, Um, again, we don't have the details, but it'll be on our Facebook page shortly. Um, We're looking to hold some more art events where we're selling art. Buy art, dance, it's all for a good cause, right? (laughs) So you can dance, you can buy art, you can go listen to spoken word. These are all very fun things that you can do. You can buy hot chocolate. I mean, who wouldn't want to do these things? I'm no dancer, and I'm going to go to it and dance my butt off. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you don't have to be a good dancer. No. (laughs) No way, shape, or form am I. I'm excited. So, So kind of getting back to some of the serious conversation, are there a lot of um, um, people with DACA um, classification in Bloomington? So we don't have exact figures on that whole, on on the whole for that, but we do know there are uh, probably a good number or so of those individuals. Due to confidentiality, things as well. Especially especially how endangered they are as as time progresses through this administration. Exactly. We can't, we, 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 I don't even think we really have access to those sort of numbers, but we, we, we try and keep it mostly confidential. What we can say is there's definitely um, a community of undocumented people in the Bloomington area and in Indiana. Um, Because that's one thing as well, I think, that we've had a bit of trouble with in organizing students is they think, we're in Indiana, you know, we're nowhere near the border. This is not really an issue that affects our community, but it absolutely does affect our community. There are a lot of um, undocumented people or people with um, shaky immigration statuses. In here. Indianapolis, I like to shift this towards refugees as well. Mm-hmm. The refugees, uh, our refugees play an important role in, uh, I think, American society because I think we are the land of refugees. The first people to come here were refugees. In Indianapolis, uh, there is a large swath of people from Burma, mm-hmm. Burma slash Myanmar. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, my high school and my area surrounding my high school has the largest amount of Burmese individuals per like capita 
in the world except for the country of Burma. And so you get to see different perspectives when you have these individuals there. I got to learn about certain Burmese holidays. Mm -hmm. A lot of my best friends are Burmese immigrants. Mm -hmm. And I also got to see how messed up the immigration process is because Mm -hmm. a lot of them immigrated here when they were three, four years old because that's when the crisis really hit its peak. And these individuals are now like 18, 19, and they still are having to study like weekly and like having to take all these extensive tests just so they can become citizens. Mm-hmm. And I think it's insane because I know if I wanted to become like a citizen of France, I'd only have to live there for a few years and then like take like a small test and then I'd be fine. But these individuals are having to like take mountains upon mountains upon mountains of work. And I think it really like the immigration process in general needs to be dealt with. And I'm really hoping that our organization, and I think we will, are gonna try and go towards that uh, aspect as well and trying to fight legislation or trying to fight for legislation, I should say and trying to work towards a better future for immigrants. And hopefully we'll have less illegal immigrants because people will be able to actually come here legally while we will still fight for, I shouldn't say legal immigrants, I should say undocumented immigrants. Like I said, the media narrative keeps telling me to say that word, but we'll have less undocumented immigrants hopefully in the future. So um, I would love to, if you don't mind, Ella, could. Is it okay if we talk a little bit about your time in Tijuana? Only because... I want to hear about this. <laughs> I, I know that Christy also spent some time in yeah. Tijuana and just came back. <laughs> I would I would love if you could maybe briefly tell us a little bit about what you experienced there, what you did there. I mean, obviously, without breaking any sort of confidentiality issues, right. if you can tell our listeners about your experience there, I'm sure they would love to hear about it. I know I would love to hear about it. Yeah, yeah, I would be happy to speak about it. Um, one thing that made me think that I was thinking about also when we were talking about the rhetoric of illegality and the criminalization of undocumented people in the U.S. um, and how we kind of use this rhetoric of, oh, they're very violent, referring to, um, you know, Trump's speech. That was a huge thing he focused on was all the different violent crimes that are, you know, allegedly committed really, by Really, let's talk about how many mass shootings were performed <laughs> right. last year right. by legal right. white men. Right, right. right. Um, Native born. <laughs> Native yeah. born. Yeah. And yet we have no one, nobody in this government is willing to pass gun right. legislation. Right. right. You want to talk about that? Listeners, let's talk about that. Yeah, let's. Okay. Yeah. That's a whole other can of worms <laughs> yeah, right there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but, but we want to build a, build a $5 billion yeah. wall across mm-hmm. the nation yeah. and we're in the middle of the of a long government shutdown that is keeping people out of work and making it so they cannot buy food, pay utilities or their mortgages mm-hmm. or their rents in the middle of a very cold winter. Yeah, let's talk about that. Longest okay. government shutdown in yeah. U.S. history. Yes, longest government Insane. shutdown in U.S. history because... Insane. And, and this government has to go ahead and, and go ahead and go ahead. Two-thirds majority required folks to overturn a presidential veto and put this uh, country back to McConnell work. McConnell won't even take it to the floor. That's the big problem. I know McConnell won't take it to the floor. His behind needs to sit down and his party <laughs> needs to go ahead and put this country back mm-hmm. to work because we will we cannot let our own citizens starve because of this man. It's a vanity project. 100% this is narcissism 101. Mm. Yes. That's yes. my two cents. <laughs> I touche. I second yeah. that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um 
And in addition to everything that you just mentioned, I also think that creating this rhetoric around um, violence committed by undocumented people is honestly quite laughable when you think about it on a larger scale of the violence that the U.S. government commits against these people in their home nations. I think specifically in the context in a uniquely American narrative, it's called empire imperialism. It's called empire causing problems, and now their chickens are coming home to roost. Exactly, exactly. This is like the consequence of U.S. foreign policy yeah. coming home to roost. Yeah. I'm a historian, yeah. I, you know, but anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I know I just think especially <laughs> in the context of um, what I witnessed down in Tijuana with the current, mm-hmm. you know, migrant caravan, quote unquote, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, who a lot of them were Hondurans. It's just ridiculous when you think about it in the larger context of the reason these people need to migrate is mainly because of a U.S. government-backed coup in Honduras that destabilized their community and government enough that it was no longer a suitable place to live, and then allowed for groups like MS-13 to rise and come to power, mm-hmm. and then, you know, just inflict terror among mm-hmm. among these mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and then also again being there with these people really disrupted the narrative that they are criminals or violent or anything like that it really genuinely is people who just want a better life for yeah. themselves and it, it goes back to your point ella that you made earlier about what what in addition to the actual tactical things that undocuser is trying to do for the realities of the here and now but also providing that geopolitical context mm-hmm. around how it is someone would even decide yeah. to risk their life yeah. and flee yes. in the first yeah. place. How yeah. bad do things have to be right. Right. for women and men to leave everything yeah. and and base and walk hundreds if not thousands of miles carrying a backpack and their babies yeah. mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. walk mm-hmm. knowing that when they get to that border they're going to be hostile people waiting for them with guns yeah. and tear yeah. gas yeah. And yet that's better than what they're leaving behind. Yeah. Think yeah. about it, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Yeah. Yeah. That's, think about how bad your life would have to be here, that yeah. you would be willing to like leave it behind and take nothing but what you can carry and carry your children and head for the Canadian border yeah. because it's better than what you've got here, yeah. knowing that you know what, the people in Canada are, might be standing there waiting to shoot me, but that's better than what I've got here and I'm willing to risk it. Yeah, I'm willing yeah. to risk I'm it. I'm willing to risk it. Think about how bad your life's gotta be that you're willing to take that risk. Yeah. yeah. I follow um, a great activist and artist on Instagram called the Unapologetically Brown series. Um, and she posted this thing, I'm gonna butcher her quote, but essentially said, like, no one migrates for the American dream. There's no dreaming and survival. Right, Thank you. Right, right, right. It's true. Speaking of dreams, can we talk about a little bit for our, our listeners? And again, if you're just now tuning in, you've missed a very oh. rich and layered <laughs> Meet converse. Max and Ella. Meet Max and Ella, leaders of the next generation. <laughs> um So thank you for joining us, but they're here to kind of provide their perspective on things. So what is this Clean Dream Act? All right, so with our Clean Dream Act, what we're really advocating for is just that these, that especially with DACA, DACA shouldn't have been, uh, so DACA was issued as an executive order under President Obama. 
And what it was is it was it was it was like a, it was sort of like a Band-Aid on a problem. And Obama was hoping that that they would actually enact legislation to make this like like once and for all, like something they would not have to worry about. Well, unfortunately, what happened is is our current president uh, basically used it as a pawn to uh, get funding for his border wall. And what he said was, is I'm going to take this away if you don't fund my border wall. Literally using children as yeah, pawns. Yeah, literally use children as pawns. Yes. And, the, and the Democrats in Congress said, no, we're not doing this. We're not playing in your hands and in your game. And he went through with it and basically said, I'm taking this away and this is your fault. And so what, what the Clean Dream Act would say is that that this is just pure legislation that makes like DACA, it makes it stronger and it makes it more impactful for these children and adults' lives. And what it does is it'll it'll just ensure that this legislation comes through and that it, that no no president, no individual can take it away, honestly. And so it's been it's been introduced to the floor many times legislation you know you know you know how government is sometimes it, it's just mm-hmm. it's been stalled it's been slowed down people are worried like will trump even sign it you know mm-hmm. and so it's just it's just very very unfortunate right now like the fact that people have been trying so hard and trump was like come up with a solution in congress come up with a solution in congress and then they did and then like nothing came of it and so we're trying really we want to we want to that's where activism comes into play you know we're really really trying to like make this a forefront of an issue that needs to be discussed on like a national level Mm -hmm. and it starts at the local level and Mm -hmm. so if we get people educated if we get people involved we get people knowing like the implications of not having daca or not having a dream act then we can get we can broaden the conversation mm-hmm. we can make in we can make it larger and larger and larger until it becomes an issue that's talked about again because i think right now i learned about this thing called the overton window and have you have you guys ever heard of the overton mm-hmm. window the overton no. window is do tell it, the over the overton window is is the discussion of uh of national issues and what it's viewed as and so the overton window will shift based on certain politicians rhetoric and so we've seen so it shifts from left to right and so basically, if it's in the window, it's something that's okay to be talked about. And so if it's in the middle, it's like norm. If it's towards like the way, way, way right, it can be called extreme. And then the, sometimes it goes so far off that it's like off the table, like people would never discuss it. Mm-hmm. So we've seen that Donald Trump has uh, shifted the Overton window and the Republican Party in general has shifted the Overton window to the right throughout the years. Mm-hmm. And so now a sane, like a, a, we're having debates about putting children in cages. We're having debates about things that wouldn't have been debated about like three or four years ago, four or five years ago. And so the Overton window has shifted in their favor and has shifted in Trump's favor. We're talking about a wall for $5 billion that we should not be talking about right now. And so we need to shift it back. We need to shift it back into our side and we need to be talking about fixing immigration, fixing the the laws themselves and not about frivolous things like walls. And so if we shift well, you the mean over- things like healthcare? Yes, exactly. <laughs> and infrastructure and exactly. education, things that make sense? Exactly. Clean water and flint. I'm <laughs> just clean saying. water and flint. You know the fact that they just put in a coal lobbyist to become the head of the EPA? Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And 
it's just insane. But but if we shift that Overton window back, it'll do it'll do. It's I think I encourage everyone to look up the Overton window and how it's affected policy throughout the years because it's such an unheard of thing. And I tell everyone about this when talking about policy because it's yeah. so Folk, important. Folks, you really are listening to two young people who are like leaders of the next generation. So <laughs> I want to be a politician one day. <laughs> so Ella Flynn and Max Sandifer are two undergraduates at IU. If you're just tuning in, who are members of Undocu Hoosiers Bloomington, which is is a local community and campus organization that's dedicated to focusing on issues that affect undocumented immigrants, mm -hmm. uh, both on campus and in the local um, community and in the larger state of Indiana. Um, and they're, they're both relatively new to the organization. The organization's actually been around since about 2014, 2015. Um, and it's um, definitely in need of your help, both in terms of volunteers, as well as your financial resources. They've been doing great work in the community. Um, and they're going to be doing lots of in amazing fundraisers, both in terms of uh, like dance-a-thons, um, mm -hmm. po poetry slams, all kinds of great things on the calendar. We've been talking to Max and Ella since the top of the hour. We've got them for another 12 or 13 minutes. Uh, but, you know, I just wanted to reintroduce them for anybody who's uh, just coming on board. Um, so, uh, but just learning all kinds of amazing things because <laughs> yeah. I've never heard of the Overton window. <laughs> it's so important and I think yeah. it's such an interesting thing. There's a Vox video on it if you guys yeah. know what Vox is. And I, and I think when you take a long view, our, we've got our beloved historian here <laughs> when uh, who, I mean, literally has a long historical view from I'm a, I'm this, a, your 19th century I'm a slavery scholar. scholar right? I do. I do. I mean, 18th exactly. and 19th yeah. centuries, exactly. you know, African-American history. You see, and like you can I take a long see view. <laughs> how these things are so working in lockstep and and, and perpetuating narratives that yeah. people have spent their entire yeah. an entire civil rights movement in the 20th century <laughs> sought to dismantle these words these languages this mm -hmm. kind of xenophobia and it's like here how is it it's terrifying possible yeah. that we are here it is uh Tomorrow, I believe, is Dr. Martin Luther King's birthday. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. I think so. He will be 90 years old. When you think about the fact that that man would have turned 90 years old, and we are having these kinds of conversations on his 90th birthday. I think about W.E.B. Du Bois and the work that he was doing. Mm -hmm. I mean... Over a century. Exactly. I mean, well over a well century over ago. A century. Mm -hmm. and, and, and civil rights um, educators and activists and lawyers who spent their entire, entire, careers, entire careers watching things roll I mean, back. The boys gave up and moved to Ghana. He was so irritated <laughs> yeah. with this country. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it really is. It is going to take... Um, your generation and the and the students younger than you and we've seen it a uh, professor can tell apartheid in South Africa could not have been dismantled without college students absolutely not 20th century civil rights movement could not have happened without college students no I mean look at what happened on campuses like Berkeley for when with the you know with the demonstrations against the bomb and yeah. Vietnam and the anti-war exactly. protests the civil rights movements everything you know 
the the lunch protests, yeah. the counter protests, everything happens. It starts with young people. Yeah. It starts with students. We're it seeing starts it right with now you. with with I think with guns as well. Uh, mm-hmm. The yeah. Parkland students. The Parkland students. Yeah. It starts with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it also takes us old folk <laughs> to get educated to and, and to listen and to understand how things like the dream act need to continuously be updated no different than the 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 voting rights act continued to evolve to be able to be as comprehensive as possible the dream act is continuing to be continuing to evolve and us old folk <laughs> you, mean, you mean the voting rights act that the was the act. one that they yes. eradicated that they uh, well they let I, it expire they let it expire because it was no longer it's necessary until it is now. <laughs> until it until it is again. Yes, exactly. Right. But to be but 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 to my point exactly, I don't think that enough common language in the public lexicon was take it was rooted in the oh, so that is you know, so I think you all are bringing to an bringing social media and then I think the energy of young people are bringing an opportunity in a new yes. way for the public to be more engaged and more involved with what is sort of like high <laughs> level public <laughs> policy conversation. No, I think the digital age has given you guys a new way of organizing too, right? And I think to add on to what you were saying, I think part of the reason that Trump has been so successful is because he is able to kind of speak in a more layman's terms that makes people feel seen and heard and accessible. And I think he really mm. utilizes mm-hmm. that ability to like prey on the fear and needs of like certain people in the U.S. Uh, and I think so specifically one thing that we hear a lot in our work with for immigration justice is the fear, especially in Indiana, which, you know, in Monroe County, a fairly working class county, is the fear that, you know, immigrants are going to come and mm-hmm. take our jobs. Um, One of the biggest I, myths ever right, propagated right, in society. Right. And it's so well, unfortunate. He, he said but, this in his State of the Union, and he specifically played the divide and conquer right, race card. Right. He actually said blacks, he said African-Americans yep. and Mexicans, undocumented illegal people yeah. will come and take your jobs. Yeah. And I just blew a gasket. Yeah. It's yeah. insane. And because no poor person who's undocumented, who's coming to flee for their con- for their life, is going to take your job. It's the people in power. It's the capitalists that are then going to exploit people who are in a worse off situation than you to pay less. But this is exactly, exactly. the kind of rhetoric that the 1% has been using right. to divide and conquer impoverished people and people of color in particular for centuries in this country. They play people of color off against each other with this exact tactic. And and when I, I of course can't listen to him because I I lose my mind, so I read transcripts later. Mm -hmm. And when I looked at that line in particular, I was so angry because he was like, black people and Mexican people, illegals are gonna come and take your job. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Right. He did not go there. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yeah. So yes, I, he did. That's yeah. how he started his entire right. campaign. He right. walked it. He went down the escalator yes, and said, mm-hmm. and he used a dog whistle. He claims he said he said yes, illegal. He, he said illegal immigrants. You know, these undocumented immigrants. He we knew who he was referring right. to. Right. We knew what he was dog whistling right. to. But but he race baits. He right. race baits right. all right. the time. And this is exactly what he did right. does it. on national television 
in the State of the yeah. Union, yeah. and he specifically targeted listeners. He targeted African Americans, yeah. mm-hmm. and he said, "Like, and one thing I have, uh, well, I have to say this. It hasn't been said yet during this broadcast. Please understand that there are." people of African descent amongst yes. the undocumented. Definitely. Yes, Definitely. 100%. It is very, very important to keep yeah. this in mind They're that many, everywhere. many, many yes. of our brothers and sisters are coming across that border. Mm-hmm. There are people throughout the African diaspora who are represented coming across mm-hmm. the border as undocumented people mm-hmm. from Honduras, from Mexico, from Ecuador, from El Salvador. Okay, there are black people in all of these countries. Don't forget it, not for a second, because he wants you to forget it. And I'm not gonna let you forget it, not for one second. Because when you go to these detainee camps, Mm -hmm. there are people of African descent from every Mm -hmm. single one of those countries Mm -hmm. in those camps, in in the detainment facilities. There are children and adults of African descent. So don't you let him play divide and conquer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there are people who are fleeing from certain situations like there's a there was a big civil war in Sudan that split right. up to, into South yeah. Sudan. Absolutely. And these people are fleeing as refugees. Denied. Where do I go? They right. go nowhere. Yeah. And so there are people like that as well. It's it's insane. The Muslim ban when it went down. Don't you forget that a lot of those Muslim countries are Afro Muslim countries. Yes. 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 Also, we have to stick together, all of us, Mm -hmm. because this is a human issue. And when you, if you think that prejudice is just sort of a personal one-off, that's fine. But when prejudices start to dictate public policy, that's when it becomes everybody's issue. Yes, this is a human issue, and we all need to stick together as human beings. When that ban went down, Undocu Hoosiers was one of the first group that went up to the Indianapolis airport and was on the front lines standing with Muslim brothers and sisters protesting that ban. So, you know what, they were there, there that for that reason too. They were, I mean, they're, they're not just going down to protest on the southern border. I know that they were there when that ban went down too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Max and Ella, we'll, we'll let you have the floor for the next couple, oh, we got about two more minutes. <laughs> Any closing thoughts or? One thing just to remark off of uh, what you were saying. Also, when I was in Tijuana, I met a woman who had, she was from Cameroon and she'd actually flown from Cameroon to Ecuador and then walked from Ecuador all the way to Tijuana. Mm -hmm. I also met a lot of Haitians um, and some Sudanese people. So as you mentioned, this is a global issue yes. and there are a lot of pe- black people and people from the African diaspora. Mm-hmm. And also I believe that black pe- black undocumented people in this country are some of the most vulnerable and most likely to be deported. So. I just have some general advice, uh, banking off what you said. Uh, don't get complacent ever. Yes. The biggest problem is complacency. You, you become accustomed to these things you allow them to become normal to you. What is happening right now and the certain things that are occurring right now in our society are not normal, nor they have they ever been normal. And we, we, have a, we, have, we have individuals right now who are high up in power who are trying to convince us that this is normal and trying to convince us that, the, that there are people lower than us. We all are humans. We all should respect each other and we all should treat each other as if we are equals, because we are equals. With dignity. With, with dignity, 100% with dignity. And the fact that these people, 
these individuals who are undocumented, who are trying to seek a better life, and who are trying to escape from these horrible situations they are dealing with, should not have to deal with persecution and should not have to be living in the shadows. And we're seeing them living in the shadows and we're seeing them finally come out and speak now. And I'm so happy that, that I've had so many friends, so many individuals who I've met in my life who are speaking up against these hateful policies and against these hateful individuals. And I can't wait for the next generation of Americans. Don't allow yourself to be divided. Recognize that we are all in this together. Recognize that the enemy is not the undocumented migrant. It is the people in power that are creating these racist laws that are trying to divide us. In honor of Dr. Martin Luther King's birthday, let's quote a very famous <laughs> quote. The arc of the moral universe is long. Long, but it, but bends, it bends towards, towards justice. justice. Exactly. It, very long, but it does bend towards justice. I saw the most amazing, beautiful, heart-wrenching commercial yesterday that just, I mean, I was weeping by the end of it. And I mean, I'm a soft touch in some ways. Eight Jewish women, all of whom are, are survivors of the Holocaust. Very, very, very elderly women, but all survived the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. And all, you know, outright, you know, saying like, you, we, that we cannot allow the injustices that we are seeing today to continue, that the hatred that we are seeing, the, the, you know, the laws that are being passed, the names that are being used to try and you know, dehumanize people, alienate people, trying to make people seem lesser than, that they have seen this happen before, that it starts with names and then laws are passed and then camps are built and then people are separated and they're like, we've been there. Thank you very much. It seems like, oh, it starts with names. That's where it begins. And then here's where we end up. And they're like, do not let this happen again. We are begging you, do not let this happen again. Stand up for what is right. You know, and I was like, I mean, of course I'm paraphrasing and I'm nowhere near as poignant or powerful as these eight women. But you can go online and you can go on Facebook and you can go on Instagram and Twitter. You can find this commercial that these eight women made, yeah. you know, eight Holocaust survivors. And I guarantee you, you will not you will not come to the end of it without weeping. Yeah. Let us not be the silent majority. Please do not, mm -hmm. because time. all it takes for evil to evil to thrive is for good people to stand and do nothing. That's right. Mm -hmm. We're going to go ahead and close this discussion right now and invite um, our listeners to come on back and um, and revisit this conversation with Undaki Hoosier at some other point um, but in, yes, in the year. Yeah, they were, you both were amazing. Our thanks to Undaki Hoosier members Ella Flynn and Max Sandifer for joining us tonight to discuss the plight of the undocumented who are resigned still, unfortunately, to living anonymously in Bloomington. To learn more about Undaki Hoosier Bloomington, please go to https forward slash forward slash be involved dot indiana dot edu forward slash organization forward slash undocu hoosier they have a great facebook page yes and thank you, you very much do. for thank having you us so much and your mlk day building bridge award winners <laughs> as well uh to keep up with local news and to find out what's happening behind the scenes at wfhb you're invited to like the wfhb facebook page go to facebook.com and search for wfhb or you can always visit the wfhb news website at wfhb.org news 
Bring It On has an open submission policy. So if you have an idea for this program, let's hear it. Send an email to our volunteer staff. The address is bringiton at wfhb.org. We want to make sure that we share everything and anything affecting the African-American community with our listening audience in Bloomington and beyond. The email address, once again, is bringiton at wfhb.org. Our show's executive producer is Clarence Boone, with help from WFHB Bring News Department Director Wes Martin. Our board engineering team consists of Taya Wilson and Chantelle Lafayette and Wes Martin. Our original theme music was created Created by Jamil FEM with additional background tracks by David Baker. For WFHB, I'm Roberta Radovich. And I'm Amrita Myers. Be sure to tune in again next Monday, January 21st at 6 p.m. for a part two conversation with immigration attorney Christine Pop on her recent harrowing trip to Tijuana, Mexico to provide legal assistance to individuals applying for asylum in the United States. This and much more on the next exciting edition on Bring It On, right here on your community radio station, WFHB.